What's up, fellas? Welcome to the Grown Man Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kersey. And on today's show, we have Todd Guckenberger, the co-executive director with his wife, Beth, at Back to Back Ministries, which is an $11 million nonprofit focused on driving significant impact in global orphan care. Todd has been a lifelong mentor of mine. We have uh, been blessed to be part of the Back to Back family since I was like 12 years old, which is wild to even think about. Uh, he and his wife, Beth, and, and really their whole staff at back to back changed my way changed my life in more ways than I could ever even communicate on this podcast some of the things we talk about today um, this idea that community is friction and what to do about it the importance of balancing hard work and relationship and how to kind of carry that tension as you engage in uh, meaningful work how to prepare yourself for marriage and some of the questions every man should ask himself before he takes the plunge and where back to back is headed next and how you could be a part of it how you can support what God is doing in and through their staff. Guys, this is a really uh, awesome episode. Todd is, again, a, a, just an amazing mentor, amazing friend, amazing man. Uh, he really has an incredible business mind as well as uh, just a great husband and a dad. And so I'm excited for y'all to listen in and excited to hear what you think. Check out grownmanproject.com to learn more about what we're up to. Get subscribed to the email list. But before you do that, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks. Thanks man. for being here. So, uh, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on the show. Two biggest reasons. One is because of who you have been in my life, and just uh, how much you have spoken into my life as what it means to be a man, what it means to be a husband, uh, what it means to be a, a, a business leader, um, but ultimately just what it mean, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, and then second, just you know, uh, your I think character and demeanor in the way that you invest in other young men has always just really stuck out to me. You have an interesting way of speaking truth uh, while kind of calling out the best in in other men. So I appreciate that. Appreciate Thanks. you being here. I'm glad to be here. Um, so tell us for those that don't know who Todd Guckenberger and Back to Back Ministries is. Give us like the 30 second commercial on. Okay, here's the, here's the elevator pitch, right? Okay, go for it. So back-to-back, -back, we're a nonprofit working global orphan care. Uh, we serve in eight places around the world with about 300 staff, mostly nationals in those countries like Mexicans, Indians, Nigerians, et cetera. Uh, our, we have real it's real simple. We're, we want kids to know Jesus. We want kids to be interdependent in their community, so basically thriving independently of you know working in their own community, and then independent and economically sustainable so that they can actually afford to care for their own children. You know, like one of our home, home run successes is that we have this program called the Hope Program, and those kids have kids, and they're actually taking care of their own kids. So think of cycles being broken. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's a home run for back-to-back. -back. So that's what we do. Uh, we've been doing that for 22 years. Um, my wife and I started the international side of it in 1997, and uh, it's been a great ride and amazing, but uh, very hard at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when it was just you guys. Yeah. Down yeah. In Mexico. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. Those were those were long, long days, but it was great. Do you do you feel like at that point in your life when you and Beth decided that you felt called, would you have considered yourself a, a man, like how you define a man today? You know, it's funny. I yes and no, because uh, I was I was not I didn't have a good role model growing up, in mm -hmm. my opinion. And so even when Beth and I were dating through college, I struggled with what that looked like. Like what did and I and I actually remember thinking it was one thing but not it really was another thing it really was more humility and sincerity and 
and good character instead of I need to know everything, I need to be the one to initiate everything. I mean, even like something as simple as initiating prayer, like like I thought I had to be the one to say, let's pray, you know, like that was silly and stupid. But so I think I had to learn and reset the way I thought. And, and I think there were other people in my life that invested in me to help me do that. Mm. But, but I think really recently I said to somebody like, now I'm 46, you know, it, I feel like I'm old enough to be in the room. You know, like it's, it's, you don't, I don't think anybody ever really feels like they're old enough or, or a man enough, I think. But, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, I just did the interview with Massey, like mm-hmm. literally just finished up. And one of the things that he was talking about is uh, the question that men always ask is, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Am I worthy enough? Do mm-hmm. I have what it takes? Mm-hmm. And it sound, that sounds really similar oh. to what you were describing. Yeah, I think right? for sure, 100%. Most men. And I think depending on your personality too, I think some people are like, they're, they're, you know, the grass is always green in their world or the you know, sun always mm-hmm. shines. And then, but for my, my style, my personality, I'm analytical. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, am I good enough? Did I do well enough? Uh, and not that I beat myself up all the time. It's just you're constantly always trying to evaluate. Mm-hmm. What, what was it about, and I, you know, I've heard you tell this story a couple of times, but I feel like I always like still get a nugget from it. But like, what was the initial draw for you and Beth to, to go into orphan care ministry? So we, uh, so in college, we, we were kind of youth sponsors of a local church in Cincinnati, and we went on short-term mission trips with them. And on one trip, we, were, we traveled to Cadetero, Mex- Mexico, and we were serving with this group of youth at this church, and we were painting a wall. And what we, we jokingly say, we were painting the wall that we painted the previous year from green to blue, from now back to blue to green, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we, we go, let's... Well, maybe there's something else we can do here. There's probably an orphanage we can serve there. Uh, you know, let's. So we got in a taxi. We left the group with other adults. We got in a taxi. We spoke no Spanish, mm-hmm. and and we said, you know, orphanatorio, whatever we could to think what an orphanage would be. So the taxi driver navigates us to this orphanage. We we get out of the taxi. We are kind of panicked, thinking, do we even know how to get back to where we were? Oh, you know, gosh. like <laughs> so. It's pretty. It was. It wasn't stupid, but it wasn't really smart either. You know, <laughs> so so we knock on the door. I had a couple years of Spanish in high school, which I shouldn't have gotten any grades in, but um, I did. Anyway, Beth pushes me to the front, and we we navigate a conversation with this guy that answers the door, and and we say we have got you know twenty five students, two hundred dollars left in the week. Can we come and serve here? Can we? Is there a way we can help? And he. Huh. He quickly replies, and he says, hey, there's we got broken window. So you can fix those. And we haven't eat, the kids even had eaten meat, and we realized later they hadn't had meat in like in a year. So we quickly rallied the troops. The next day we go, and we're I'm pretty handy, so I was fixing the window with some students. The rest of the kids were engaging, interacting with the kids. And Beth is cooking hamburgers that we bought, and and she's says to me, hey, isn't this little girl so cute? She's, you know, she's she's like four, and she's had like four hamburgers, you know, like kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, Beth and I are like, there's no way that she's having, what's she doing with all those hamburgers? So Beth grabs her hand, little girl leads her up to her dorm, and literally the little girls in her dorm, like the preschool dorm room where they slept, were lifting their mattresses up and hiding hamburgers under their bed for later. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of like, we call that our defining moment. It was, that was it. We knew we were compelled we went back, nothing else was the same. We were both teachers. We saved one salary completely for a year and picked up and moved to Mexico. Wow. Yeah, so we weren't even really an organization then. It was just like, we just we knew that we had no choice but to do that. We were, you know, we were set up for double income, no kids, and then having kids, and we just decided this is, nothing sits well with us anymore. Mm. How, much, how did y'all 
come to that decision? Like, was it one of you kind of had that on your heart first, or did you kind of come to it together? Or? Great question. I think, you know, in, the, in those days, it was just part of our always conversation after we left that moment. Mm. You know, what, what can we do about this? Can we serve? We both had the kind of the, we loved doing it when we did it in a short-term sense, mm-hmm. and we both knew that the orphan child was part of that in us. You know, we I don't and, and in in college we t- we'd served together with Camps Crusade or, or Crew they call it now, and and we loved that so we loved ministry doing it together. Hmm. So we you know, we always were investing in youth and 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 so I, I think it just kind of came up. We 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 did at one point I think do like a flip chart kind of thing, a T chart. Should we stay here? Should we go? But that was really more on like the logistics. Like, can we actually do this? Hmm. And uh, and and then I think it was just a matter of of really jumping ship. And we went to our jobs. So we have a year's leave of absence. My job said no, so we said okay, and that was that was okay at the time. And Beth's job gave her a year off, and said sure, go ahead. And then we're going to pay her anything. But Gosh. and so we we but we saved just enough money for a year, and so we we drove down to Monterey, and we knew one couple lived there, and they helped us find an apartment, and or it was a house, it was a, but it was just kind of a block structure house, wasn't real fancy. Yeah. Really, first scary night, you know, sleeping in the house. We like, you know, it was 114 degrees, crazy. But anyway, we we just it would just. I think the best the way I can describe it is compelled. We just felt compelled, like we could do nothing else but that. Mm. Did you have men like mentors in your life at that point that spoke into you through that season, or? Yeah, we had we had a few people. Beth and I actually, Beth's dad had passed away a couple years prior, and my stepdad had died a little bit after that. So mm. it wasn't with our fathers, and, and my dad lived in another state. But we had a couple men that we actually met with to ask them for counsel if mm. we were crazy. Mm. And so that, yeah. that felt good. And, and I was fortunate in college. I had a couple men who really built into me, mentored me, discipled me. And and so I called them and ran the idea by them and 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 they were always honest and and so it was good to get you know people who I trusted and people who you know also believed in kingdom minded things so yeah. so I think so and Beth had the same on the on the female side but it wasn't you know I don't know that we had you know hundred conversations but we had we were, had some intentional meetings to say you know yeah are we going rogue here yeah. And what was like, was the vision always to grow back to back to what it is today, or like how I'm sure <laughs> it's evolved? Great. Yeah, right? great question. You know, and the, quite the question I get asked the most beyond what's your greatest need is, did you imagine all this, yeah. you know, 20, 22 years ago yeah. or whatever, year, how many years ago? And no, no, mm. no. Literally, that first year it was, it was very simple. We wanted to go down, work with kids in an orphanage, and it was just about as simple as it could be. Yeah. And, and it, what we didn't realize is we had 50 people we knew would come serve with us, 25 from a church youth group and 25 from a Christian school that I taught at. And we knew they would come, but at the end of that first year, we had 350 people come serve with us. And wow. so we realized, hey, we got kids who have a need and people who can meet the meet the need, and we can be the bridge for that and do that in a healthy way. And then it got kind of serious, like mm. there's something different here than we expected. And we rerouted a little bit, mm. doing the same thing, but just with a different intention. Yeah. You know, it's funny, as you were talking through that, like I was reflecting back on all the summers that I spent interning mm-hmm. with you. It, but like, it, it's wild to me, like how different my perception of you in those days versus today mm-hmm. is. Like in those days, I really wasn't interested in business. Like I was interested in ministry. Mm-hmm. I wanted to love on kids. I wanted to learn everything I could from you about construction, you mm-hmm. and John. Yeah. And, uh, and I just wanted to be a part of what God was doing with Back to Back. Now I feel like our relationship has evolved so much to where that certainly is still very much on my heart, 
but I love learning from you and your business mind. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you like God wired you uniquely to be the CEO of this size of an organization? I know you don't call yourself CEO, but CEO of this size of organization? Or? Yeah, I think, I mean, he's definitely blessed me, but I'm a learner. So, like, here's the, the you know, you've been in Monterey. Monterey, there's a big front porch that looks out on the mountains. People sit out there in the mornings for coffee or in the evenings. They're oh, beautiful. You know, yeah, beautiful. And so I always say this metaphorical, that was my, that was my university. So people would come and visit, you know, and a lot of leaders and CEOs of other companies, and I would just suck them dry of information. Oh wow! And yeah. so I'm asking, you know, I remember early on we were I, we had we were working with five what we call children's homes, orphanage essentially to most people, five children's homes, and I was managing the construction for all of them, and so we'd have teams come down. At the time, I think we've had probably 600 people a year coming. And I'm trying to coordinate all these things. And we had a staff about, you know, four or five other people. And you had no real experience in doing any no, projects no, no, like no, that, no, right? No, like no. you were handy, yeah. but like not Yeah, I'd remodel basements in, in college. Yeah. But this was like block construction and, and yeah. you know, steel welding and stuff. So so, so I was like, I talked to the CEO and I said, I, got, I don't know how to manage all this. And he said, why don't you do what we did with this company? We had each of us were kind of over what we called a captain area. So then we broke it down and... And I had captains. We so everybody was a captain of a home, and then I helped support them instead of me doing everything. And so, huh. it everything kind of was just like this learning. And I would pick people's brains, and then you, you just learn. I think so. I think in the to your question of am I wired to be this, the CEO or we say executive director? In some ways, yes, because I'm an avid learner. A lot of ways, no, because I didn't have any formal training. Mm. And I've you've heard me say that you know ministry. Our organization is a ministry and an organization. Mm-hmm. You know. We are definitely God first, on our knees, begging God to do and and invest in orphans, vulnerable children's lives. But we gotta be able to pay people. Mm. We gotta stay organized. You know, we gotta steward resources well. You know, people are entrusting us with you know close to eleven million dollars a year. We want to make sure we spend and allocate that well. So, so anyway, I think I think that's it. I think skills you can learn. I think there is some aptitude you can't. To Mm. be honest with you, I think I, I have a tendency to be able to see things that are that are coming up in the queue and, and, and attack them in a different way, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to say how that works. But. Yeah. So that was a, a, a form of mentorship, right? Being naturally curious as you had the ears of those men. Oh, to yeah, for sure. Learn from that. What does mentorship look like in your life today? Uh, you know, I think for for me, there's a, there's a handful of people that I go to on a regular basis for advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I had a really unique experience about four four years ago, uh, one of the former former uh, vice presidents at P&G was a female woman. She was, I think she was the highest ranking female at P&G at the time. She actually took a year off of P&G, left P&G and retired, and, and she mentored me for a whole year. Oh, wow. And it was awesome because, you know, she brought a whole different perspective. We were in this unique season of transitioning to, you know, becoming a little bit more organized, a little bit more structured. But we still wanted to be agile, right? We still wanted to do and be able to change directions where God wants. And that time that she invested in me was, you know, life-giving, especially in my skills. Uh, and and the really cool things we like with this one moment where we we were kind of drawing a diagram of trying to figure out, okay, how, what do we do and what was our focus? And and she thought our focus was one thing, which was she said at the time short-term teams, which wasn't our focus. Our focus is the orphan child. Mm. And it was good to be able to say, be able to get clarity and go, no, no, that's not it. And then she helped work with me. Okay, let's then figure out how we can make sure that stays true. And mm. So just really, really, really great experience. And then there's other men that invest in me that I go to for a regular, you know, kind of, hey, I'm, I need some insight and input on this. Yeah. 
One of the things that I think is really interesting about your life and back to back specifically is like I watched y'all do community mm. with some of your uh, closest friends yeah. who were also technically your employees, yeah. right? And you and Beth are kind of running the thing side by side yeah. with very different skill sets. Yeah. Like, talk to me about, I guess, like, what did it take to be a man in that environment and honor community, but also, like, run the day-to-day operations of this yeah. ministry? Yeah, so first I'd say, you know, just to set it up, so you got this campus, it's about three acres, you got, at one point we had 100 people living on the campus, we had about 50 teenagers in a hope, what we call the HOPE program, you know, some 20-some staff. I wouldn't have guessed 100 people. Yeah, wow. yeah, some 20-some yeah. staff, and, and then staff kids, and so I always say that community is friction. You know, like, like <laughs> but but here's the deal. You know, that's also refining. You know, you mm. can't you can't have a dis a disagreement with somebody and let it and, and ignore it. You have to deal with it and confront it. And so, what living in community taught me was part of being a man was, you know, you can't you can't treat people that way. Mm. You can't you know because you know it's a tension environment. You're working hard. You know, I'm very kind of what we say high red in organization, which is kind of driven and. And can be viewed as transactional when I'm working, but but you can't be that way. You have to say people first, and and you, you can't. And one good example of that. So we this is a kind of a silly example, but summertime is our busiest time. We had, we had mission teams, so the mission teams would come on a for us a Saturday and leave on a Friday. So we'd immediately have a staff meeting after that. Mm-hmm. But in between that week, I had a conflict with one of the other staff women. She forgot to do something, and so I kind of bit her head off. Was upset about it, you know. I was, feeling like, gosh, these people, there's people here, we need to make sure they have what they need, hmm. you know, trying to, trying to do, meet both, both ends of the, uh, both ends, and then, and we had this conflict, so we reconciled, I obviously, I apologized to her mm-hmm. later, when on the end of the week, I get to uh, the staff meeting, and I, I open up the staff meeting, and say, we got to come up with something different, uh, we can't, we can't treat people better that are only here for a week than the people who are here all the time, mm. when they're gone, it's just us. And so we actually came up with what we call our community values. And so mm-hmm. we, in that time, we like, my, I put the first one on the table, give people the benefit of the doubt, because I, I struggled with that also. Like, I should have assumed or said that this person, Jody, had maybe something else was going on. Maybe she was sick. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe she and her husband got in a fight. I, you know, who, whatever mm-hmm. it was. It doesn't make it all excusable, but it makes it understandable. Mm-hmm. And so we, we learned to live in that community, and then that helps you actually, it's kind of refining. Mm. You know, so and there were other ones like take time to pray together, make sure that we're serving each other. But um, yeah, it was a good season. Yeah, I love that. So you brought up community values. We robbed one of our values from you guys, oh, that's great. right? Which is hashtag I I Y I. Yeah, yeah. Will you awesome. talk about that concept yeah. a little bit? Yeah. So so when you serve in the in the mission field or really any in anything, it could be in a business. You know, especially when you're serving with people that you're friends and mm. and you know the people I serve with. I mean, I went to college with some of them. Some have been on staff with us for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. So you're in... Some of them you're married to. Yeah, you're some of them you're married to, especially when you're with your wife. Yeah, yeah, and you have completely different gifts. And on our best days, we compliment the credit of each other. Yeah. But on our bad days, man, is like, you know, will against will. But um, but the, but the so so what you think about it is if you're in the trenches, and and, and I would say to, to my coworkers or my friends, I'd say, you know, gosh, this is really hard, but if you can do this, I'll, I can do this. And so my wife and her assistant came up with a hashtag, and it's really not a real hashtag, but it's just a phrase, and my, my wife travels a ton, speaks all over the United States, and 
she gets stuck in an airport and she, she found a way to, you can sleep in a family bathroom because it locks. And so <laughs> the only thing is the janitor will open, open it up in the morning so you have to be, be ready for that. But, but, the, but you can, it's safe, for, especially for a woman traveling by herself. So she would text her assistant, you know, Jenna, and she'd say, you know, I'm in if you're in, you know, I, I, why, I. And so basically we clearly serve at the pleasure of working for serving the Lord, but it helps so much when there's other people doing heavy lifting like you're doing heavy lifting. And, mm-hmm. and that encouragement, that ongoing encouragement just is life-giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were talking a little bit about uh, this before the show, but uh, you got married young mm-hmm. and started on mission with Beth really, really young, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's obviously a little different trend in our world today mm-hmm. of getting married a little a little later in life yeah. at least, yeah. right? Uh, which is what Casey and I did. Yeah. What would you say to the young man who's kind of in that gap of knows he will likely get married at some point, uh, but not dating that woman now, and is trying to kind of prepare himself for that next season of life? Yeah, I, uh, you know, this is so. I would say two things. One is never settle. Never settle because you will regret it. I, I guarantee you regret it. And here's the, and I, maybe I'd say three things. The, the second thing I'd say is marriage is awesome, mm. and if you marry the right person. And but you also have to. On the third thing, it's not that you need to constantly be looking for somebody who's better, but you need to be asking God who's the right person for you. Mm. And 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 so, but 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 man, when you get the the combination of the right person for you. And you both are driving towards being healthy people. Because a lot of us come with baggage. You know, there's some things that happen to us, some things we actually invoke. Uh, but, but as you're driving towards healthy and then having a healthy relationship, I'm telling you, my marriage is my deepest breath every day. Mm. And, and, and I, so, so it doesn't mean do it faster, sooner. It doesn't mean do it when you're 25 rather than 29 or 32 or whatever. But it means... You know, don't settle and and make sure that you're intentional about going, Lord, and going, okay, which I'm. And then, really, to be honest with you, it, you know, there's a cheesy phrase: "Who character is who you are when no one's looking." Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to you to be who who you are supposed to be and who God wants you to be, and you have choices you can make now for that woman later. Mm. And so, it, it will it will catch up to you. You know, we we joke around here that small problems always become big problems. Mm. Character issues are small problems that become big problems, mm. and they'll come out, especially in that marriage. Mm. That's powerful, man. Uh, you have three young men mm. of your own, right? That that uh, I'm sure you spend a lot of time. Four, four young men. Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps growing. You know, we have a lot of adopted and Keep, kids. Keeping count is a little <laughs> difficult. Uh, talk to me about uh, what you hope to instill in them about what it means to to be a man. You know, uh, one of my strengths is hard work. Mm-hmm. One of my weaknesses is I value work. Uh, and, and so if, if you ask any of my kids, I have a few phrases I say around the house and really around work too, is, you know, lazy people don't eat, mm-hmm. do it right or do it over, uh, you know, and so. I just had flashbacks, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, I said, <laughs> as an intern and summer staff, you were, you heard those all the time. They're on the back of my clipboard, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so, so I, I definitely want them to understand that, that nothing's, not nothing's free, but hard work is what what we're called to do and expected to do and it doesn't hurt you it actually makes you better mm-hmm. um, I think one thing I've learned from my wife in particular because she is she loves people more than than anybody I've ever met but is that is that we can't break anything can't break relationship and so so it's it's not that we let things go 
in their character or that we don't call it out you know so if one of my sons is being a jerk or a punk I'm it's not that I don't call it out it's just that I'm not going to sacrifice the relationship to call it out mm. and so that's one thing that she's really taught me and 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 that I understand and value and so I think you know for my boys there's a, obviously a long list of things I hope for them mm-hmm. but you know, I want them to be godly. I want them to work hard. I want them to understand and what good character is and, and what follow-through is and what looking somebody in the eye means versus sending them a text over something. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's just a big difference. So so I'm constantly, you know, aware of what there's. I want them to do, but mm-hmm. those are the majors, you know. I, I think I think it's, it's, it's important that we follow through with what we say we do, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like uh, as back-to-back continues to grow I, I mean I, I guess that's a that's an unfair assumption right is that what's kind of on the horizon for back-to-back specifically yeah it's, it's interesting uh, we're in this season of of, of growth we, we 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 don't ever say we want to grow to 10 new sites a year or mm. that's not ever been our method our, our method has been we we listen to what God wants we, we listen we, we listen to the prompting we, we spend tend to take time to pray about it you know, we, then we work on planning and what that might look like, and then we go and mm-hmm. visit, et cetera. But, but in in right now, you know, we've got a new site in Cincinnati, which is which is huge. It's a huge initiative mm-hmm. working with kids from the city, um, and that's that's one in so many ways great. But it's actually a new a new learning for us. We've yeah, never worked totally. in the in the U.S. soil, and it, there's a culture in Cincinnati, and we're building a staff team. The great thing is we're taking our 22 years of learning and starting there, mm-hmm. so that helps a ton. Uh, but um, we're also, uh, we do this trauma competent care training, and we're trying to work to scale that so that it can be, you know, digitized and monetized mm-hmm. uh, because the demand is so high for it. And, you know, kids come from hurt backgrounds really in any environment, schools, prisons, churches, mm-hmm. uh, foster care, everybody, every, all those kids have some kind of hurt background. And so right now we're working to, to put that on a learning management platform get it out to the world mm-hmm. we've already you know it's impacted a couple hundred thousand kids globally mm-hmm. we've trained in over 60 countries live training but this trauma competent care is life-giving to working with kids from hurt backgrounds mm-hmm. so that's probably our biggest initiative or one of our biggest initiatives mm-hmm. but it's a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. uh, just because it takes you know lots of organization and people and you mm-hmm. know resources but what well, is there anything that you feel like uh God's teaching you or you're learning as a leader and a man to kind of step into this next evolution of yeah. back-to-back? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing is for certain is, you know, the different. I was just joking the other day with I have a one friend who, who owns, he's an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and he's got a bunch of businesses, and every time he sees me, he says, oh, yeah, nonprofit. I've been nonprofit before. And, <laughs> and so, so it's, it's always this thing where the difference between a nonprofit and a, and a for-profit organization is in a for-profit organization, you're really, you're really basing it on sold units, numbers of customers, and you can kind of scale that hmm. pretty easily. With a nonprofit, we have relationships and we predict a certain number of donations. Hmm. And so, but one thing I think God's taught me over the last 22 years is he's in control. And he'll provide, and he leads, and he will give us the resources we need to do it. Mm. I think, in the sense of organizationally, uh, we're pretty broad, you know. And so we're we have 300 staff. We're in eight places around the world. Uh, that's very unique. So how do we decide what what we want to make sure everybody does the same, and what do we just? It's okay that it's different because it's a different culture and a different set of kids. Um, 
and I, I think I was telling you earlier this. I'll give you the short version. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, I'll, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll tell you later. It's all right. That'll be too long. Be too long. Talk to me about if there's a if there's a young guy out there who's hearing your story and says, "Gosh, vocational ministry, international ministry, that just like speaks to my heart." Uh, what would you encourage them to do next? Uh, well, that's a great question, and I would first of all don't don't in any case when you feel the prompting, if you give it time, it'll go away. And Beth tells a story when she speaks that she was on a horse once in Colorado and the horse was kind of bucking up and, and moving and, and she's like, you know, getting uncomfortable like she's going to get thrown. And she says to the, the guide, the trail guide, what's going on here? And, she, and the guide said something like, she, the horse probably has a burr under its saddle. It'll actually rub raw and get numb and, and, and it'll calm down. The horse will calm mm-hmm. down. And we use that illustration a lot is it will get numb and it will go away but that means you didn't do what probably you were prompted to do. Mm-hmm. And so, one, I would tell them to get involved. You know, and it doesn't mean you quit. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job, but you can get involved, serve short term, put your toe in the water. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, sell everything you own and move internationally. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to do it. But, but if, if you've been uniquely designed and created to do that in this, what I would call the social sector, serving, mm-hmm. then do it. Mm-hmm. And there is some sacrifice, uh, but I, mean, I can't tell you how fulfilling it is to do something that God's given you a gifting to do and to flesh that out. Mm. It's powerful. Is there anything um, folks might be listening that want to learn more about Back to Back or support what you guys are doing? Where would you Where would you point them? Yeah, they can go to the website. It's back, the word back, number two, back, uh, dot org, back to back dot org. And uh, we're, there's tons of information on there. There's ways to get involved. You can get involved in, and be a part of the trauma competent care training. You can come on a short-term team. You can sponsor a child. Uh, there's lots of ways to get involved. You can give generally. I always say give generally so we can meet needs specifically. You know, like mm-hmm. the, as a Love nonprofit that. leader, we really know the direction we're going. We're raising funds. It's great. People love giving to specific things, and that's awesome too. But generally speaking, this is what God's already given us the direction to do, so help us fund that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of our, our mantra around here is if, if we, know, we know what we're supposed to do, let's do it, but we need the resources to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're always taking donation. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll echo that. I mean, it, you know, it's come, come across in this podcast, I'm sure, but I, so many years that I spent down in, back to back, uh, down in Mexico really shaped who I am as a man and my understanding of who Christ is in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm forever grateful to y'all for all that you do in the mm-hmm. kingdom, but all that you've done in my life. And I would encourage anybody that's listening that's interested in uh, short-term missions or or even beyond that um, that they couldn't find a better organization mm. than back to back yeah so. I appreciate that yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely a, a collaborative effort you know mm. the we, we learned a long time ago that it's not just about the orphan child God loves the the sender and the giver just as much as he loves the orphan child mm. and so if we if we can collaboratively work together and do it in a healthy way meeting kids needs then it's a it's a home run and a win for us powerful. Thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks, man. Hey. Ooh, holy cow. That was an amazing episode. That was so fun to record. It was fun to be 
at Back to Back HQ and just have a great dialogue with Todd. There's so many nuggets in there, and, and I know even so much more that Todd could share that he didn't. We'll definitely have him back on the show and in some different formats. If there was anything that stuck out to you guys that was really powerful for you personally that really had application for your day-to-day life, I'd love to hear about it. Shoot me an email at kurt at grownmanproject.com or find us on Instagram at at grownmanproject and let us know what, uh, what, what you took away from that episode. I'm really interested in, first and foremost, helping men get clarity on what God is calling them to in their lives and then really attack that with passion and energy and focus. And so any way that you feel we could better serve you in that endeavor, that's what we're all about. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, keep listening to the podcast, subscribe to the show, and uh, give us a quick rating and review if you would like. That really helps us get out in front of more folks and and have a broader impact. So thanks for listening and talk to you guys next week. God, thanks for um, opportunity to be here with Todd. Thank you for uh, all that he's been in my life and I know the lives of so many others. I thank you for uh, just the opportunity to pick his brain to uh, have your spirit speak through him uh, today. And I pray that um, the conversation that we have would be uh, glorifying to you in every way possible. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.